Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Wonderful. Well, it is great to be here. Great to be back in Northern Ireland. I can't say it. Practice it every time, get worse every year. But it's good. It's good to be here. And uh, as Phil said, I nearly didn't make it. I, I spend my life normally on the road these days preaching and teaching all over the world. But due to COVID, the last 18 months, I've been at home doing everything online. And so yesterday was my first flight in 18 months. So I was excited. I was ready to go. Everything was packed up the night before. Got into Gatwick and... Uh, Got onto the plane, and yeah, it was smooth. The takeoff was beautiful. Just as we were heading over the Irish Sea, though, something happened that's never happened to me before. And I normally fly about between 20 and 30 times a year, so this was brand new. The pilot came on the tannoy, the announcement. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to inform you, but the warning light for the engine thrust levels has come on. We will now need to turn around and fly back to Gatwick. Well, you have never heard such silence in the aeroplane. To make matters worse, he then said, do not be alarmed. (laughs) You just just shouldn't say that, you know. Do not be alarmed, but on our approach in, you will notice out the window a number of emergency service vehicles on the runway awaiting for our arrival. And he wasn't lying. I looked out the window. I've never seen so many fire engines on the runway. But praise God, I made it. We got down. We waited in Gatwick for several hours. I arrived here at 20 past 7 last night after leaving my house at 10 o'clock in the morning. Took me nine, nearly 10 hours to get here. Could have flown to America. (laughs) But I'm glad, I'm glad I got here. And I tell you why. Because I believe God has given me a word. A word that's going to encourage you. And nothing was going to stop me. Even if we landed in the Irish Sea last night, I was going to swim my way to Porter Down. (laughs) I was coming for you. So, 18 months I've been stuck at home. I'm ready. And for those of you who have never heard me speak, I'm just getting warmed up. Just getting warmed up. Anyway, before I start, I do want to bless someone. Last Christmas, I wrote and released my first book, and it's been going really well. And I talked about, in the book, about wrestling with God. And I know several of you here uh, grabbed a copy, but it's, uh, we, we all wrestle with God. This is a bit about uh, a very big part of my life, uh, the, the, the loss of our first child, uh, a stillborn baby, baby L. And I talk very, uh, very personal, very personal in here. But uh, I make it a lot broader than that. We all wrestle with God. We all struggle with things in life. But I believe this will be a real encouragement for someone today. So if anyone wants a free gift, put your hand up and I'd love to bless them. I saw your hand first. Perfect. That made my job easy. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Are you ready for the word? Oh, thanks, Judith. Uh, I'll just preach to you. Let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do indeed thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that your grace and your mercies are new every single day. And Lord, I pray that right now, 
that every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice today will leave this place different to the way they came in. Lord, I pray that that, that minds will be renewed, that souls will be refreshed, that hearts will be transformed. Oh God, I ask that people will hear from heaven this morning. And a faith-filled R8 church said, Amen and Amen. Well, the title of my message is this, Building on the Rock. Building on the rock. Have you ever had a bad day? (laughs) The nervous laughter tells me I'm not alone. The job didn't go to plan. You woke up with that same pain. The, The sale of your house fell through. The dream broke down. You had a fallout with your spouse before church this morning. Exams weren't, the exam results weren't what you expected. You you got an unexpected parking ticket. Maybe the plane had to turn around mid-flight to Northern Ireland. Do you know, I have a good friend called Mark. And in Mark's garden is a pond, a rather large pond, actually. But situated next to his pond is a big and relatively flat rock. Now, This rock is not just a decorative feature. It is a bit more than that. When building his pond, Mark deliberately positioned his rock there in preparation for the tough days, the challenging days, the unfair days that every single one of us will face in our life. But what Mark does on his bad days is goes down to that rock and he stands on it. He thinks on that rock. He reflects on that rock. But most importantly, he prays on that rock. For in a moment, it reminds him who is on his side, who is for him, And that with God, despite those tough days he may be facing, things will get better. My assignment this morning comes from Matthew chapter 7. And I want to read to you from verse 24 down to verse 27. And it is Jesus speaking. And you can follow it on the big Bible behind me. It says this, Jesus said, Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When we arrive here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus is concluding a talk that he had been giving to his disciples. 
He had been teaching them a number of things that are recorded in the previous two chapters. Now, I don't have time to go through all what he taught, but let me tell you a few of the things. He taught them about loving your enemies, going the extra mile, how to pray and fast, doing good deeds like giving to charity. He taught them about priorities and seeking God first. He also spent a large amount of time teaching them not to worry. Do not worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Trust God will make a way in your life and through your situation. He will meet your daily needs. And there were a number, a number of other topics he discussed. But basically, he was defining and highlighting some core Christian values, principles and truths to live by that will help followers of Christ live a full and fruitful life. And so to emphasize the importance of adhering to the instructions that he had just given, he uses this story about two builders. Both constructed a house, yet one was called wise and the other one was called foolish. Now, I can't answer this for you, but if given the choice... I would argue that the majority of us in here would want to be wise. It's not much fun being foolish. Having wisdom is the ability to judge correctly and follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. In other words, it is the power of discernment. King Solomon in the Old Testament had all the wealth in the world. He was one of the richest people to have ever walked this planet. But when God asked him in 1 Kings verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, what else he needed, Solomon asked God for a discerning heart. The one thing he wanted more of was wisdom. Not more money, not more palaces, not more fame, not more power, not more social media followers. I know, I know. He wanted wisdom because he knew that if he acquired more wisdom, then everything else would flow and follow in his life. Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold to gain insight rather than silver. So as Jesus shares this parable and the significance of being wise, it is important to note what he says to them first. Listen to this. He says, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. If you've got your Bible, underline that puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is a crucial part of the conversation. Do you know, it is not enough to just hear things. My four-year-old daughter, Lila, is very good at hearing me tell her to tidy up her toys. She acknowledges my request. She understands what I am asking of her. She knows where everything is supposed to go. However, we seem to short, fall a little bit short at the putting that into practice part. Some of the parents in here understand my pain. We can all hear things, sound advice, 
solid feedback, sensible instructions. But what do you do when you've heard them? Take Sunday, for example. You come to church. You hear a good sermon. In a moment, it puts a smile on your face and perhaps challenges you to want to make some changes in your life. However, by Monday morning, you've forgotten what was said. Not intentionally. Perhaps the day got busy and you had other things that you needed to do. But I would suggest the main reason it slipped your mind is because you did not action what you heard. Actions help you remember. Doing something practical assists your ability to learn. You know, growing up, I didn't enjoy taking tests or exams. To me, they were almost like a form of torture. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. I would clam up. My mind would go blank. Beads of sweat would run across my brow. I did not understand their importance. But now I can see the value of sitting a test because it is a practical way of demonstrating that I have taken on board that which I have been taught. Now, don't get me wrong. Exam results don't define you. You are more than a grade on a piece of paper, but they do show you how far you have come or how far you have got to go. Actions demonstrate that we heard what was said. And surely that is the key to any level of success, to listen and then apply, to hear and then do, to process and then execute. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. And this was the first mistake of the foolish builder. He did not put into actions the words that he heard, whereas the wise builder did. Is this helping you today? The second major difference between these two builders, and this is what I really want to focus on this morning, The difference was, the second major difference was what they built their foundations on. (laughs) I am not a builder by trade. I have no experience in that field whatsoever. In fact, I am hopeless, utterly hopeless at any sort of DIY or activities that involve making things. If you had seen me just a couple of weeks assisting my wife trying to build my little girl's new bed, (laughs) you would see that I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. I'll do pray for Lisa. The struggle for her is very real. But despite my incompetencies and my shortcomings in this area, I do know that when you build a house, you do not start with the roof first, nor do you put in the windows Or install your front door. No, you begin. You begin with the foundations. Because everything rests on the foundations. Foundations are essential for everything else, for being in order. A shifting foundation means your house is in trouble from the start. Do you know why the leaning tower of Pisa is leaning? Because it was built on uneven foundations due to the soft ground. In this parable, 
These builders may have had the same tools, the same budget, the same brief, but one thing is for certain, they did not start in the same place. The foolish man went to the sand, which represents quick work, cheap work, easy work. Oh, who's ever built a sandcastle at the beach. Give me a wave if you've ever built a sandcastle at the beach. Now, it's great fun. They, they, they can look awesome. You can get as creative as you want with your design. You can have bridges and balconies, turrets and towers. It can be as small or as large as you, as you want it to be. But I doubt you would live in it. Why? Because one wave... One wave would destroy it. Sand is good for pitching a tent in or a, or a form of temporary accommodation, but it would not fare well as a permanent abode, especially when a storm rolls in. And Jesus said that with this storm, the rain came down, the floodwaters rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house so harsh that it, that it fell with a great crash. Oh, this was some storm Jesus was talking about. A wind so strong that it can knock a house over? That sounds like a hurricane. A couple of years ago, when I was preaching at some churches in America, one night I was getting ready in, in the hotel to go out for dinner with the pastor of one of these churches, and suddenly I looked out the window and I noticed that the sky had changed color and that the trees were swaying vigorously. I mean, they were bending so far over, I'd, I'd never seen that before. I quickly put on the TV to check the news and was informed very swiftly that there was a hurricane heading in my direction. You know that big dark red circle? It was right over that city. I went down to the hotel lobby to meet my friend and moments later we were running into the safe room of that hotel as all the lights went out and the wind whistled and howled through that corridor. It was a daunting experience. But we were okay. We were unharmed. We were fine. Why? Because the house we were in had been built on the right foundation. Oh, friend, can I tell you this? The man who built his house on the sand saw it fall in great destruction. Oh, no matter how exceptional its construction was, the foundation was not built on solid ground. Oh, turn to your neighbor and say, you better build on the rock. Now turn to your least favorite neighbor and say, you better build on the rock too. Come on, you should know me by now. The wise man, the wise man built his house on a rock foundation. Do you know it's not easy building on a rock? It's going to cost you more. It's going to take more time. It's going to exert more energy. However, the Bible says that when the relentless rain beat against this house, it withstood the pressure. And when the violent wind began to blow, it was not shaken. And when the floodwaters started to rise, it was not washed away because the foundation was anchored to the rock. 
Now, you may be saying, all right, Luke, this is good. Yeah, I get it. I understand where you're going. But what does it mean for me? Well, firstly, I need to make it clear that Jesus in this parable here is not necessarily referring to a physical house that you and I live in. In the Bible, a house is referred to in many different ways. A house can refer to your personal life. A house can refer to your family. A house can refer to the church. So in other words, in this parable, Jesus is challenging you and I on what do we build our lives on. There's no question about which foundation is stronger, but he's asking you today, which one do you live on? Which one do you build your life on? Are you on the rock or are you on the sand? By building on the sand means you're placing your trust in things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Our earthly possessions, our own gifts, talents and strengths. Perhaps we build our life on our career or our our identity. Or perhaps we're consumed with trying to please other people and yet we still never come up good enough. Oh, friend, can I tell you that if you have built everything in your life around yourself and you encounter a bad day or things do not work out, then where do you shelter? Who do you run to? Where do you find your peace? Perhaps the keys can come up. By building... On the rock means you have decided to build your life on the truth of God's word. An eternal foundation which cannot be destroyed. The rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I need to be honest and say this. That just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that your life will now be trouble-free. In life, we all face storms. Every single one of us. Public storms. Private storms. Storms you can prepare for. Storms that sweep in and take you by surprise. I'm not talking about the storms where there's thunder and lightning. I'm talking about those emotional storms. Those mental storms. Those physical storms. Those spiritual storms. Perhaps your storm right now is the loss of a loved one. Bad medical report, financial difficulties, maybe it's a relationship breakdown, perhaps it's that overwhelming anxiety that you've tried to get help, you've tried to shake it off, but you just cannot see a way forward or a way out. Maybe your your storm is that of betrayal. You've been betrayed by someone close to you. 
Perhaps it's that addiction. Oh, it constantly just knocks on your door. And you cannot shake it off. Maybe your children are in trouble. Or perhaps the job isn't what it once was. Storms. Oh, people panic. People drift. People walk away when they're in a storm. Battles, challenges, trials are going to come. But what you build your life on will determine whether you have the strength to pass through it or whether you come crashing for a storm a storm will put to test what you are standing on oh I'll say that again a storm will put to test what you are standing on just because you're a Christian doesn't make you exempt from attack oh they're going to come You will still feel pain, experience grief, shed tears, endure hardship, walk through seasons that make very little sense. However, they will not and they cannot destroy you. For when your hope is anchored to Jesus Christ, when it is fixed on Him, when it is secured in Christ, then you have an assurance that He is with you, that He will strengthen you, that He will go before you, both now and forever. Oh, come on, church. Come on, church. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's a promise. We know. We know that when Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, three days later, He conquered death by rising again. And He opened up a way so that you and I could be forgiven, accepted, empowered by His Holy Spirit. He made a way so that one day when our time is done here on earth, we get to spend all eternity with our Father in heaven. Where Revelation 21 says that God will wipe away every single tear from your eye. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things have passed away. That is the hope that we cling to. That is the truth that we attach our lives on. That we attach our trust on. That no matter how bad, no matter how dark, no matter how rough your season gets, you will withstand the storm. Friend, God is not leading you into defeat. The message of Jesus is one of victory. That the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. That the joy of the Lord is your strength. That you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. John 16, 33 says that in this world you will have trouble. (laughs) But take heart. I have overcome the world. (laughs) Romans 8, 31 says if God be for you. If God be for you, then who can be against you? 
1 John 4 says, Greater is He that is in you than he who is in the world. Do you know with God, you are always in the majority. You are always in the the majority. And some of you today, you need to hear this. You need to start encouraging yourself in the Lord. You need to wake up in the morning and start walking with Him daily. Do you know whether you've known Christ for a week, maybe some of you haven't even met Him yet, or you've known Him for years, you must not neglect building your life on the rock. And let me tell you how you do that. You do that by opening up your Bible each day, depending on His Word, hearing His voice, following Him in His ways, learning to trust Him, living a surrendered life, worshipping Him, becoming a part of the local church. Oh, do you know there is nothing quite like the local church? Nothing. Oh, we've been grateful for online technology. Over this past season, and it's been amazing hearing all the testimonies and and the salvations and the stories all over the world. And I know you've seen some tremendous things in this church too. But being gathered together under one roof, in one place where we can encourage each other in our faith, where we can glorify the name above every other name through our worship, where in unity we can gather around the preaching and the teaching and be encouraged by God's Word. Oh, nothing beats it. Nothing beats the local church. Oh, friend, do you know that God has an answer for your greatest need and it is found in the study of His Word? This is your sure foundation. I promise you I'm finishing soon. (laughs) 18 months at home, you're just getting it all today. (laughs) I promise you it comes out of a heart of love, okay? But I'm excited. I'm passionate. I'll tell you why, because I love Jesus. I gave my heart to him at 20 years old. My life changed in an instant. I'll be 38 next year. I know I don't look it, but I've seen him do some incredible things in my life. That's why I get so excited. That's why I shout. That's why I sweat, because I love him, and I know he loves you. But let me finish. Do you know, it is no coincidence It is no coincidence that one of the metaphors used for God and Jesus in the Bible is a rock. (laughs) For a rock is strong, sturdy, stable, immovable, resolute, resilient. David said in Psalm 62, The Lord is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 26, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord our God is an everlasting rock. Psalm 18.2 says, My God, my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Friend, I don't know what storm you're facing today or many storms. But I do know this, it does not have to be or mean the end for you. Don't be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
He heard the things of God. He heard the words of God, but he chose not to follow his instructions. Yes, his house, his life, his family looked good on the outside, but it was the storm which revealed how strong his foundations really were. Don't wait for a storm. Don't wait for the difficult days to come before making your way to Jesus. The last thing you want to do is try building a foundation when the rain is coming down, the waters are rising, and your vision is blurry. Even if you've achieved some degree of success in your life, without a strong foundation built on the Word and the truth and the promises of God, at some point you will come crashing down. Make a change today. Make a change today. It is not too late. The Lord wants to help you. You are not beyond repair. You can start again. You can move forward. You can rebuild and fix your life by getting into the presence of Jesus. Why? Because my Jesus is your rock. He is your hope. He is your joy. He is your peace. He is your protector. He is your provider. He is your redeemer. He is your strength. He is your salvation. And my Jesus loves Oh, come on, give him a hand of praise if you believe him. He loves you. He loves you. Build your life. Build your life on the rock. And you watch what he will do in your life. As I said, I know, I've seen it. There's been tough times. It's not nice burying your baby. Not nice. Difficult. Hard, no answers, tough. But I've seen God come alongside me and my wife. I've seen what He's done through our tragedy and turn it into a testimony. Do we still cry? Yes, we do. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't. Do I have some questions when I get to heaven? Yes, I do. But I do know He's with me, that He's for me, and that He's working through me. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. But you know, before I completely finish, (laughs) wherever I go, I always want to take a moment to give people an opportunity to make your peace with God, to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your heart. So if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you or, or call you to the front. You know, I've already told you the good news, that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. He took our sin, our shame, our guilt, He took it to the grave. But three days later, He rose again. He broke through the bonds of sin, He smashed through the chains of death, and He made a way. He made a way for you and I to be forgiven, accepted, and loved. And today, you can receive His love. The Bible calls it the gift of salvation. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. You cannot work for it. But today, if you were to repent of your sins, which simply means say sorry to God, turn towards Him and invite Him to come alive in you, then He will do just that. And you will never be the same again. And so if I'm speaking to you, whether you're in this building or whether you're watching online, 
I'm going to count to three. And if you'd say, Luke, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to start my life today by building on the rock. Then I just want you to slip up your hands so that I can see who I'm praying for. I would love the privilege of praying with you today. Maybe you've never made this decision before. Perhaps it's the first time you've ever come to church and you think, what is that guy going on about? I don't really get it. I don't really understand it, but I know I need it. I'm talking to you. Or maybe once upon a time, you had said yes to Jesus, but the storms of life have blown you off course. You've backslidden. And you know that you're not living the life that God has called you to live. He's knocking on the door of your heart this morning. Give your heart to Jesus. I'm speaking to you. Here we go. Eyes closed, head bowed, Christians in prayer. On three, slip up your hands. One, two, three. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Three or four people, thank you. I see that hand too. Would anyone else join these people this morning? That's fantastic. Thank you. I see that too, mate. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want every single person in here to repeat this after me. Especially, especially those of you that raised your hand. And there was at least five of you this morning. So come on, church. Pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Today, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me from my sins. Father, I turn towards you and I accept your gift of grace. I ask that you would use me as a follower of you, to make your name known all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's give those people and our God a round of applause this morning. Wonderful church. Well, thanks so much for having me. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.